Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Get your Bibles, go ahead and grab that and open your Bible to 1 John chapter 2. Whether you get that in book form or app form, doesn't matter. We just need you to get there. But while you are, are getting there, I want to again say a special thank you to our We Care, all of our volunteers, both on the church side and the daycare side, for putting on an incredible harvest party last night. That was so fun. I saw so many of you. Uh, dressed up in costumes and all of those kinds of things. It was so fun. You need to go check out uh, the Facebook page and just see all of those. You can see Pastor Kyle preaching to a T-Rex and a hedgehog all at the same time. It was phenomenal. So much fun. This is an incredible ministry of our church. And we had, I had no less than three people last night ask Specifically, not me telling them, them asking me, what time do services start? I'm interested in that. We just had a baby, and, and do you do things for babies, and do you, could, could they be baptized? Yes, 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 all of those. This is why we have a We Care. And we are seeing the blessing of that, and we want to continue to see the blessing of that. So I just want to say thank you from a pastor's heart. It was beautiful to witness and to see. So especially thanks, Jen and Liz and our We Care staff who, who did so much above and beyond. Uh, can we just give them a hand once, once again? And, and Jen just loves kids so much, she's back teaching uh, children's church right now. So... Uh, when you see her, you need to say thank you for all the stuff that she does. But this is the Halloween season. And uh, my neighbors down the street have a 19-foot-tall skeleton that they dressed for Halloween. And then they dressed it as a turkey for Thanksgiving and Santa for Christmas and a leprechaun at uh, uh St. Patrick's Day and put Easter bunny ears on it for Easter. It's just there all the time. We've, we've playfully named him Frodrick. <laughs> this year we added another one. We are calling her Frida. Uh, but those, those things are scary. They're kind of funny. But when it comes to skeletons and scary things, I have found, I don't know about you, but the scariest skeletons to look at are the ones that are in our own closet. Amen. And today's message that John is going to move us into is kind of a pastor of a church long ago opening the door and looking eyeball to eye socket with some of the skeletons that were in the closet for that little church. And so today I hope that you will hear the message that John is bringing to us with some pastoral heart, that there's someone who lives in love, abides in Jesus' love, and wants to speak to a little church then and a little church today from a place of love 
but to bring out some difficult things. And so, if you have your Bibles, let's read 1 John chapter 2. We're going to read verses 7 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new commandment, but an old one which you have heard, which you have had since the beginning. This old commandment is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new commandment. Its truth is seen in Him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of His name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young people, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young people, because you are strong and the Word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Well, I don't know about you, but I love my Keurig. It makes coffee. You know, I've had several versions of the Keurig. It's really nice. I mean, it's just so nice. You just put the little thing in there, put it down, push a couple buttons, and boom! Boom! Very quickly, there's just one mug of coffee. And it's, it's my mug of coffee. And it's so good. In fact, the, the kind of Keurig that we have now, we've kind of, you know, come up the, the grades of, of the Keurig. The one we have now, it's so nice. It finishes brewing, and a little light comes on that says, enjoy. Thank you, Keurig, I will. And I'll probably come back for a second cup, so be ready. But one day, I was coming to my Keurig, and I was going through all of the ritual of doing that. I had my cup there, and it made the coffee, and it told me to enjoy. But all of a sudden, after it said enjoy, it said descale. What does that mean? What does descaling mean? Well, evidently, I, I learned all of this from, you know, Dr. YouTube, that... You know, the minerals that are in our water and stuff, you know, as the water is heated and all that, some of those minerals can bind to the heating element. And so you need to descale it. It creates scale on that heating element. And it just works to protect it. And so you can use things like vinegar or you can buy a fancy thing at Meyer, and you pour it in and there's this whole thing that you have to do. And so I learned about how you do this. I thought, all right. So I got the stuff. I put the, the thing in the, in the water holder, filled up with water the way it was, and started pushing. It just said, keep doing the largest one all the way through. I did it all the way through, finished that whole thing, and it still said, descale. So I did, did again. I, I, I said, well, maybe it just didn't get everything off. So I put more water in there. I went through the whole thing, like a whole pitcher of water, like four or five, six different times. I finished, and it finishes, and it still says, descale. 
So I went through it again, and I filled it up, and I went through the whole ritual another six times, emptying another whole thing, and it still says, you guessed it, descale. I did it again because I'm just so stubborn and I want to take care of this thing that takes care of me every morning. And, and, and so I filled it up again and I went through the whole thing and I finished and it still said, descale. Finally, I said, there has got to be something. And I went scrambling back through the box that was in the basement and I found, I found the little manual. And I began to read about descaling. And it said I was doing everything right, except before I was to do that, I had to push the 10-ounce button and the 12-ounce button at the same time and hold them down for three seconds. Then I went through the whole thing, and this time it just told me to enjoy. It was a beautiful thing, although frustrating a little bit. Well, I believe that today John is saying to this little church that some, de- some scaling had built up in them and it was time to descale. And he wanted to take them back to the manual. He wanted them to see the buttons they were supposed to push in order to get that process moving. He wanted to remind them of a few things. Because the truth is that happened a long time ago. And this, by the time the scale built up again and it was telling me to descale, I was like, okay, what buttons do I push? John needs to remind, and we need to hear these reminders from John, because scale can begin to build up on our hearts and in our spiritual lives. And we need to go back to the manual and to see what's going. That's why he starts with the verse that that we're starting with today. But I need us to remember something, especially if this is your first time with us during this series. And that is that John is using a rhetorical device called amplification. You're probably sick of hearing about amplification, but because this rhetorical uh, device is used, some of it creates harsh language. We are learning that this amplification is strong language, intentionally using strong language to evoke a response from the one who is hearing it, read or is reading it themselves. He wants that response to come out of you, and then he wants to guide that response. The other thing about amplification is that it uses a variation on a theme. It comes back to it in different ways, looking at it from different angles. And we've been seeing this with the theme, God is light. This is one theme, and here in a couple weeks we'll see the next theme, which is God is love. But we have seen this over and over each week. We've been looking at how we know we're walking in the light. Week one, we said, well, it's an experience. It's not just something we believe or read on a sheet of paper. It is something that we experience. We experience walking in the light. And when we are walking in the light, we can see clearly. We can see that we're not alone. We can see that our Savior is with us. And we can see our sin clearly. And when we see our sin clearly, then we learn, if we're walking in the light, that we learn to confess our sin. We learn to say the same about it. And He, the one who walks with us in the light and is the light, cleanses us from sin and purifies us from all unrighteousness. So week four, we said a person who walks in the light begins to stop sinning willfully. And they move into a life where they are living as Jesus lived. Which is tough. 
but is what the Spirit empowers us to do. So we've been seeing this amplification all through this. So with that in mind, let's jump into the passage today, shall we? So John begins this next part of his amplified message by saying, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Now, isn't it interesting that he doesn't tell us what the command is? That's because he was writing to folks who were followers of Jesus, but who had probably come out of the Jewish tradition. And so whenever they would hear the word for command, they would be thinking about the big ones, the Ten Commandments. But not only that, it had been a, and uh, for millennia, had been the argument of rabbis and priests and, and lawyers and scholars of the Jewish law to figure out and try and boil it down. What are the greatest commandments? In fact, even Jesus was asked this question. And Jesus said, The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, which was the daily prayer for Jewish folks, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in the context of what we see John write throughout this, we can see that he's kind of focusing on on maybe this idea from Leviticus 19.18. I want to read that for you just so you hear it. This is where it comes from. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against Uh, against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. You see, this is in the book of Leviticus, and Leviticus was when God was telling the people, this is what I'm like, and this is how I expect you to be like. If you're going to represent me to the world, this is what I need you to know. This is how I need you to see that we're different. That I don't hold a grudge, therefore we don't hold a grudge. You don't hold a grudge. I loved you even before you chose me. I chose you and I am with you in the midst of this. And he said right from the beginning, this is why John says, it's an old one. It's one you've heard. You've heard it over and over and over and over again. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, for us today, from the very beginning, God's people are not grudge holders. You may want to write that down. You may may want to put that somewhere on your desk. You might want to write it. So that every time you open your Bible and look around in church, you're reminded that God's people from the very beginning have been called not to hold grudges. It's awfully quiet. We open in the doors looking in the closet for our own skeletons. He goes on. He says, yet I am writing you a new commandment. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Did you need some good news this morning to know that the true light is already shining? As we're moving into that crazy season that we call elections, as we're seeing wars and things happening all around our world, do you need to just pause for a moment and acknowledge and maybe thank God to say and to, and to reaffirm to your own heart, as John wants you to know, that the true light is already shining? 
And darkness does not overcome light. We need to be a people who grounds ourselves in knowing and experiencing the light that has come into the world and is already shining. But he says there's a new command. And that would, if you had been a follower of Jesus, would have taken you to that, that passage that John in his gospel wrote in John chapter 13. This new command that Jesus gave to his disciples. In John 13:34, Jesus writes, A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you all must love one another. He expands it. We're not just grudge, we're not just not grudge holders against those people who are our neighbors, our brothers and our sisters there. But brothers and sisters and neighbors is expanded out to everyone as I have loved you. You must love one another. Another. Remember, last week we live and we love just as He lived and as He loved. And that's something that the Holy Spirit enables us to do. So He's calling them. Remember, it's old. God has always been uh, saying to His people, we are not grudge holders. And Jesus, when He was, when God was in flesh, right here among us, He gave us the commandment to say, we don't just the, you know, the, the bare minimum is not holding a grudge. We actually love, the word there is agape, self-sacrificing love. And we love one another because He loved us in that way. So for us today, for John's message, his amplified message today, to walk in the light means we love others as He loved us. How did He love us? He gave His life for us. And so we are called, we are called to self-sacrificing love for others. If I were to boil this down, I want you to hear, and John's going to go into this in great detail, we cannot hate and claim to walk in the light. That's how he goes right into the next verse and says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. And we're saying to ourselves, whew, thank goodness I don't hate anybody. I mean, that's just, you know, that's a line. I just don't cross that. I don't hate anybody. But before, before we uh, praise ourselves too much and throw our shoulders out, patting ourselves on the back, I want to teach you what the word here is for hate. The word that is translated hate is the word meseo. Can we say that together real quick? One, two, three. Meseo. Let's say it again. One, two, three. Meseo. And one more time so it gets in your subconscious. One, two, three. Meseo. What does meseo mean? Of course it does mean hate. And it does mean detest, but it really means and focuses down on to love less. Jesus uses this word in Luke 14:26 when he says, If anyone comes to me and does not miseo, father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And every scholar I've read does not believe that Jesus wants you to go home to your parents or to your kids and say, 
you know, smack them around and say, I hate you because I'm going to go follow Jesus. What Jesus is saying and what Maseo is saying is, you have to love those things less than me. If you want to follow after me and be my disciple. So John intentionally uses that same word when he says you cannot hate another. You cannot love less someone else. We're okay with not detesting someone, with not hating someone, but when John uses meseo and it means to love less, we cannot love someone else less. Are you feeling that? That's a little difficult. That's a little hard. That seems like an unattainable goal. But John goes ahead and amplifies it because he wants a strong reaction. He goes on in verse 10 and says, Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. He just polarizes those two extremes. He says on one side is light, and if you're walking in the light, there is self-sacrificial love that is flowing out of you towards everyone else. And this is the life that produces no stumbling. This is the life that Jesus came to give you. This is the life that Jesus' Holy Spirit will move and enable you to do. If you're walking in the darkness, misone is happening. You are loving people less. And it leads to directionless and blindness in the dark. Whew. That's hard. That's really hard. But he's wanting this little congregation to understand this. Because he has a pastor's heart. And he has some pastoral concerns. And as John the pastor was sitting with this pastor, I began to look in the closet at my own skeletons. And I began to sense that maybe the light on my heart was coming on that says there's some descaling that needs to take place. And Jesus wants us to know, and John wants us to know exactly how that takes place. And I have some concern in my own heart, and as a pastor for you all and you all online, I also have some concerns for us that I want to share with you, and I hope that you will hear it as a pastor's heart. Because I'm worried that we as a church are flirting with blindness that the descale light has come on to the heart of our little Keurig hearts and if we're not careful we will wind up flirting with darkness with blindness a couple weeks ago I talked about the light and the you know are we in the light or in we dark or are we just dancing on the edge of the light I'm worried that sometimes that happens for us. I believe that it can happen within the church. I love you all. I've been your pastor now almost 14 years. I love this place. I'm committed to this place. 
And therefore, as a pastor, I want to, to say to us, to you, to me, this is where God wrestled with me this week, that in the church, sometimes we have shared a lot of life together. In a couple of years, this church will be a hundred years old. That, that's a lot of life. That's a lot of transformation of people's lives. That's a lot of decisions that have been made. That's a lot of money that has been spent. That's a lot of hurt and wounding that has happened because we're people. And I worry that sometimes that we love less someone who may have wounded us with what they said, an action they took, a decision they made. And we're still here, but I, if I'm honest, the descale light is on, and a lot of scale has built up between me and that person. And John wants to use his amplified message today to say, you can't walk in the light and love someone less. I don't know if that hits you. It hit me and I felt led to share that. That for some of us, we need Jesus to show us that the the descale light is on when it comes to our relationship with someone else, maybe even right here in the church. And it's time to see something change and be different. We've got to remember God's people are not grudge holders. We never have been. We're ones who sacrificially love others. Our brothers and our sisters, that's walking in the light. But I'm also concerned that the descale light has come on and we've ignored it within our country. And this one's going to be a little harder for me, okay? I hope you hear this as a pastor and not a political activist. Because I want us to understand, this is something I wrote in a Facebook post about four years ago. I was trying to be pastoral as I was seeing all of the divisiveness that was out there. Folks, we have to remember that conservative and progressive political ideologies are political philosophies that are held by people. Real flesh, real blood, real feelings, real families, and all of them radically loved by God, who gave His Son to die for them. You can hate someone's, you can hate a political ideology or philosophy, but you cannot hate the person who holds it. And say you're walking in the light. Is that okay for me to say? I needed to hear it. And in just like 10 days, we're going to go into the the voting booth. And I believe every single one of you should vote. A lot of people have sacrificed so much of their lives. And in fact, given their lives for us to have the right to go in and choose. Who will be the next leader, what laws we have, all of those kinds of things. That is a beautiful gift. We should take every advantage of it to go and do that. So go into the booth, pray as God leads you, tick those boxes, 
give it to the person, let it go into the machine and count your vote and then leave the vitrol and leave all of that venom and all of that stuff in the booth and go on and live your life. Because we are not grudge holders. We are not able to hate someone who holds a political ideology different than we are. And I'm worried that the church is dancing around on the edge of the light with the way that we spew some of the same venom towards people who hold different political beliefs than we do. We can't do that. And I'll I'll give you a couple of of examples of of people from both sides of the spectrum who say the same thing. Mike Pence said this week, I hold the view and have for many years that democracy depends on a heavy doses of civility. And if anybody should know how to live civilly, it should be Christians. Because we follow the one who gave his life for the sake of the world. We can give up our venom for the sake of our neighbors, for the sake of people around us. Martin Luther King Jr. says, darkness can't drive out darkness. Light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. You think we should know this. We should know this. As Jesus followers, we ought to know this. Do you know this about the disciples? Jesus intentionally called as his disciple both a person who was willing to kill for Israel and someone who sold out Israel by working as a tax collector for Rome. Simon the Zealot and Matthew. He brought them both into the same thing. And he said, okay, there's something greater that's happening here. It's called the kingdom of God. And I'm going to show you what it's all about when I die on a cross. And when I come out of that grave, you're going to know that all authority has been given to the kingdom of God. And at some point, this side of heaven, you have to lay down all other allegiances, all other loyalties, and follow in the way of the kingdom. Because that is the true light. And the true light is shining now and the darkness will not overcome it we cannot walk in darkness or even dance in the light we are called to move into the light and to love others with everything we have and the world is waiting to see a church who does that i needed to hear that this week and i needed to know which two buttons do i need to press to let that descaling process begin to happen in my heart I hope that's happening for you as well. Because, folks, the church should be leading the way to Jesus, not leading the charge of partisan politics. We've got to get out of that one. That only leads to blindness and walking around in darkness. We are called to walk in the light, to self-sacrificially love people, not stumble in the darkness, not hate or not love someone else less because they hold a certain view or from a certain area or from a certain place or have a certain socioeconomic status. We are called to be people of love because we serve the one who loved us by dying for us. So let me ask you today, does your heart need the scaling? It's a little light on. I think John was showing that little church that it was. And so, 
How can this happen? How can the descaling take place? John breaks out into a song of all things. He breaks out into a song. If you look at verse 12, 13, and 14 in your Bible, you'll see it's written differently. Uh, the Bible writers or in, in the English translations decided whenever it moved into poetry or song, we'll just write it a little bit differently so you understand. And so I don't know if this was a hymn that John taught that little church to sing or what, but it must have been something familiar that they would understand. And so when he's got them right to the point where those that amplified word has just brought out a strong... Uh, emotive response in that little congregation, then he reminds them, this is how you descale. Remember the song that we sing? You don't remember it. I didn't remember it. But he breaks out into song and says, and in essence, verses 12 through 14 are saying, remember who you are and remember who you know. That's why he says, I'm writing to you children Because your sins have been forgiven on account of His name. Do forgiven people need to live in fear? No. He goes on and says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know Him who is from the beginning. If He's from the beginning, what a foundation to stand on. Do people who have a foundation need to fear when all the world is in turmoil? No. He says, I'm writing to you young people because you've overcome the evil one. A lot of your translations will say conquered the evil one. Do, does someone who conquers, once it's been conquered, need to keep fighting? No. Folks, we need to remember who we are and we need to remember whose we are. And who it is that we are following. Who we claim to be our Lord. Has your heart's descale light come on today? Is there a grudge that you're holding on to that needs to be given to God? Is there a person who needs to be forgiven? Are you maybe even radical enough to reach out to them? Maybe you're not. Maybe the honest answer is no, I'm not ready to reach out to them. Are you willing to begin to take the steps so that God will release you from a grudge and you can begin to live into the light that he's calling you to? Is there a person that you need to forgive? Forgiveness is not about letting them off the hook. It's about letting yourself out of the imprisonment of bitterness. Is there a person you need to forgive? Is there a post that needs to be deleted? wanted to try and make it real for us today. (laughs) Remember, this takes place as we remember who we are. Followers of the one who loved with his life. Are you ready to live into that church? We're called to walk in the light. And His light is willing to shine on any one of you, any of you online. He invites you in to let that descaling process take place in your heart so that the little light comes on like it does on mine every morning. Enjoy.
Wouldn't you like to live there? I know I would. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes? I'm going to have Deb come and play. I'm not going to have like a a big response or anything today. Because I think this message just kind of hits us hard. I think we just need to spend some quiet time, just maybe some music playing in the background, and ask God, God, is the descale light on? And, and if so, can you remind me who I am? Can you remind me that you're the true light? You're coming into the world. I have a firm foundation. You have conquered. There's no more need to fight. You have forgiven. You call me to forgive others. Is there a grudge that I'm holding on to? Help me to make it right. Let go. Just spend spend a minute in quiet. Let, Let God, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Jesus, thank you for Pastor John who was willing to get a little rough with a congregation long ago. He was willing to to deal with this pastor's heart and I hope was able to wake us up in 2022 the fact that our hearts can become scaled but your desire is for us to walk free in the light forgiven with a firm foundation no longer needing to fight because the battle is won remind us of all of this and as we go into our workplaces as we go into our homes we sense your Holy Spirit descaling our hearts and allowing us to walk in the light of self-sacrificing love for others. Let it begin here in the church as brothers and sisters. Let it move out into our families and in our homes and move out into our world and our communities. We pray this in the name of the one who is light and is love. The name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing as we go? And now, my brothers and sisters, may you go in the light. May you not settle for dancing around the light, but step full in. And if the Holy Spirit says to you, the D-scale light is on, just say yes, show me which buttons to push so you can do that work. I pray you'd experience the freedom of forgiveness. I pray you'd experience the greatness of letting go of a grudge. 
I pray that you would go out into the world able to see and to love those whom God puts in your path. Go in his name, go in his strength, go in his peace. And I pray these things in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in his strength and in his light. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great week. I hope we'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.